Hello and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is leading a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Isaiah and this week, as the last part for now of course, of our series on creating healthy discourse online, Inika, Madeline, and I spoke with Aviv Avadia and Robin Ehrlich of the Thoughtful Technology Project. The Thoughtful Technology Program focuses on ensuring that our information ecosystem has a positive impact on society, that it can facilitate the understanding, trust, and problem-solving needed for a well-functioning civilization. They understand that being given access to a platform is like being given access to a road. There are endless possibilities, but if you don't know how to drive safely, significant danger can ensue. So what should we do to promote safety online? Emotional literacy needs to be a key part of our individual and collective toolkits. For example, taking the time to pause and think before we act and interact online, approaching ideas that seemingly conflict with our own in a constructive manner, and empathizing with the experiences of others. We also talked about the roles that platforms themselves can and should play in promoting safety and well-being. Our guest introduced the idea of compromise circles, which is something we should and will definitely be carrying forward. Thank you for joining us. Hi, my name is Inika Kodestane, and I'm a high school junior from New Jersey. And in addition to being on the podcast, I'm also co-editor-in-chief of the Next Generation Politics blog. And I feel like that provides like me some insight, um, at least in my small, small corner of the world, on like emotional literacy in the media and uh, trying to understand different perspectives when you're writing something or you're reading something online. And it's definitely something I'm interested in, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation tonight. Hi, my name is Isaiah, and I'm currently a high school senior uh, attending school in Queens, New York. And I'm very interested to see the role that tech companies and social media can play in people's education and the way that they view topics and uh, regarding civil discourse. Hi, my name is Madeline Mays. I'm a high school sophomore from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm really passionate about um, community building and all the ways that we can um, actually come together as a community, regardless of uh, partisan and um, partisan beliefs. And obviously that includes the way that we absorb news and information, um, since that tends to be um, such a polarizing thing in our time now. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation and how we can grow as um, news and media consumers. Hi, um, I'm Aviv Avadia, uh, founder of Thoughtful Technology Project. And my work explores how we build systems for understanding, trust, decision-making. Um, and it's brought me to many different types of projects over the years, digging into the details of how to engineer systems to measure the extent of misinformation on social platforms, um, uh, to exploring like how we can better structure those platforms. And that work is both through the Thoughtful Technology Project, nonprofit, and also working through other nonprofit, academic, and aligned for-profit organizations. Hi, I'm Robin Ehrlich. I'm one of the researchers and a founding board member at the Thoughtful Technology Project, and also the founder of the Safety and Trust Center. Uh, where we train individuals and communities conflict mediation and crisis de-escalation techniques uh, to kind of work at mending some of our growing societal rifts. Um, my background is in psychology and crisis counseling. I worked for several years as a crisis intervention counselor, um, and I really learned a lot of 
of all the struggles that you know both sides of the political spectrum um all age groups everybody at different parts of the country that we're all going through and so i try to use that a lot to inform my work now uh, while advising tech companies uh, healthcare companies to you know uh, best fit us all so uh, just to start us off, uh, do either of you mind giving us just a background on like your work with the media and like um, either your experience like thus far, uh, what you've learned or what you're doing right now? Um, and just like sort of give like a general background of like this topic to our listeners. I personally haven't done a lot of work with the media. Um, what I've done is train leaders in the industry to use things like uh, neutral identity language when talking about things like vaccine use, right? Instead of identifying one political group or another um, or labeling one reason why somebody wouldn't want to get a vaccine, you know, I've been training people to use language around hesitancy or access and really the needs uh, behind why people are having the challenges and conflicts that they're having. And so I, you know, I've worked with youth, uh, talking to people about how to engage with social media in this way and coaching families, um, how to resolve these types of interpersonal conflicts and um, really how to broadcast that language into the world. And I think that Aviv's done a little bit more with kind of direct platform and media relationships. Yeah, so a lot of my work has been focused on thinking about how platforms themselves can help support media literacy and really like literacy in general, sort of understanding how one can safely navigate this new world where technology is so embedded in our everyday life. And one way that I think about this is like you give someone like a Facebook account or TikTok account, it's like giving them like access to a public road. And like, it's great. Like you can now drive on this road you can go everywhere. There's so many exciting things you can see and do. And if you don't understand the rules of the road, you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. And so I feel like that is sort of the frame that I come at this to some extent. And I feel like, and there is, there's so many things that you can do when you're designing a road and designing like a road system and designing the rules and regulations around that to support people in order to be safe in that environment. So that's where the work that I focused is um, where I have focused on in my work. And um, so that's been through sort of private advocacy work, sort of pushing platforms to um, embed areas of embed sort of ways of, of learning about how to be effective and safe on that platform in the platform itself. I've done um, some experiments sort of applying some of these approaches to media literacy, for example, within that platform context. Oh, I could also add that um, a big part of media literacy is emotional literacy and, you know, how the individual responds when reading uh, really intense news that's been going on right now, reading their friends' reactions to everything that's being shared and, you know, taking that second to pause, think, how is this making me feel? What is my reaction? What are my judgments coming up? And kind of putting that all through your own internal lens before kind of engaging. And so there's two sides to the same coin, right? 
one half of all of the education that can be provided, all of the kind of fact checking and uh, platform ways to get at this problem. And then the other half of it, which is the individual's response, because we also have a responsibility to ourselves and one another to understand how these things really affect us on a deep level. That actually like leads perfectly into something that I'm actually curious about that I wanted to ask you guys about is um, how teens use social media. And um, I think that for me, I can be hesitant to use social media because I think that it's hard to know how to use it safely. And because um, I'm always scared of a million things in my head of possible scenarios that could go wrong due to social media use and that I'm like, it prevents me from uh, sharing my voice online, I think. Um, so I would just ask like, what does it mean to be safe online and on social media? And what are the steps that teens specifically can use to actually use social media in a way that amplifies their voice without um, putting themselves or others in um, unintentional harm? That's a really good question and one that I am still very much learning about and hope to learn about from you all a little bit more while we speak today. Um, I think a really good approach is sharing personal narratives and learning how to approach ideas that conflict or seemingly conflict with one's own, right? It's really easy to uh, feel like personally attacked when somebody says something that is so different than your experience of the world. And it's so easy for people of all ages, not just teenager, maybe even more so people in my generation who have held these ideas for so long, right? Um, to, to kind of resist that urge to get into fact mode, to get into debate mode right away, because then you have two people just talking past each other and to instead model um, a type of vulnerability where you can be honest about your own experiences without asserting them onto others and trying to really understand the, the feelings and the needs behind why somebody might be sharing or posting the thing that they're saying, even if it's sort of nasty, um, rather than kind of taking that in and feeling it oneself, which is a lot easier said than done, of course. And uh, I think Aviv probably has some ways that, uh, you know, platforms can get at this as well. Like I've seen, uh, some really good healthy groups on Facebook or Instagram with really good moderation and a culture of lifting one another up, which I think that um, there is some responsibility to platform leaders and uh, the online community in general to cultivate. Yeah, um, I think that there's been some slow but good early experiments in this space finally. Um, Instagram and Twitter, I believe, are both um, exploring ways of when you when you're sending a message like like if that message seems like it might be something a little intense like sort of giving you some space to to lower the temperature um and so i know that there's experiments that different platforms are doing along those lines based off sort of language and the messages that you're sending 
Um, uh, just to even just support people to help avoid saying things that maybe they wouldn't have liked to say, especially publicly. Um, that's one sort of, I think, part of that safety question. We could probably spend a book um, uh, exploring all the different ways in which one can think about safety. Um, but uh, also just sort of riffing on what uh, Robin said, if you hop up a level, like before you sort of go into social media or go into your school, like think if you can take some time at some point, maybe with some friends and just think about and write out like, who is it that you wanna be? What sort of values do you hold? Um, like, like, how do you want to be facing different types of situations in your life? That applies to both, this is not just technology, this is like everything, like that applies to all of these things. And then you can hold each other accountable a little bit. Um, and you can hold yourself accountable by having written that down. And this is something I recommend people even just starting to work at a company, especially one that might be complicated. Like you start working at Facebook, well, you might have a set of values that you hold. Um, write them down before you start. Like it's a good idea. And you should write down things before you go into, into social media, like just to understand who you are and who you want to be as you're in a situation where you might get pushed. And <clears throat> there's more I was gonna say on this, but um, I will get back to that if, uh, if it comes up again. I think that that's actually like really great advice, like actually writing down like who you are and what part of you you want to show, um, especially because I feel like in social media, it just causes teens to sometimes lose themselves or um, I feel like it's hard to like put yourself into your own mindset again um, after being so exposed to the world on such a huge scale. Um, so I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that, if I'm going to be honest with you. And uh, even what, Robin, you brought up before about the emotional aspect of social media and when you're reading uh, stuff that goes on online, I never really thought of that because, uh, and now that I think about it, it really pans out because when we go on uh, the internet or when we're on social media, it's like we're different people in a sense, you know, we're not entirely ourselves, like Madeline said, it's really hard to just put yourself back uh, into who you are and your personality. So yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Something that I wanted to build off of the idea of writing things down, writing down your identity, which is really just, yeah, it's a great kind of sidebar thing to do at many stages of life. Um, there's also stages of compromise right? Because again, it's just these two sides of the same coin. One is being respectful to your own boundaries, your own values and operating with integrity. And the other side of that is being able to understand that others might not have the same value systems as you do and learning where you can can kind of mesh, especially in social media where once you've done it, you've done it and it's there, right? Like everybody's seen it. Um, and so I like to expand upon that exercise with compromise circles. So you have written rings of who you are, what your ideas are, what you believe in. And at the absolute core of this is the things that you won't compromise on, right? Your deepest values, the things that you won't hold up or that you won't give up. Um, and then as you go further and further out, you write out 
kind of how do those things play out in real life? Do they play out in the clothes that you wear? Do they play out in the music that you share or the um, political stances that you take and kind of what ring are you operating on? And that's a good way to kind of pick and choose your conflicts and realize like, well, okay, we're actually, I'm talking about something at this like very outer level of identity. And there is a lot of room for compromise here. Um, whereas you realize when somebody's pushing into that, that real center of your emotional scaffold that you're like, okay, you know what, this is my value system. I'm not gonna change it. That's that and kind of make a graceful exit. I love that. I, I'm going to um, jump back in uh, also to the things I was going to mention earlier, which is just like a very, very concrete thing in terms of like staying safe online and thinking about media literacy. Um, there's a uh, like one of the challenges in this is that there's so much information coming at you all the time and everyone has opinions on all the information and you're just like, OK. Like, and, and it's not just you and your friends, it's also you and your parents and your grandparents. And they might believe things that you might find fishy and vice versa. And it's, it's a very complicated situation for, for everyone. Um, and so there's a lot that you can do, like depending on how much time you're able to really put into that. But there's also things you can do like very, very quickly. And one of the models that I find really helpful, um, and you should definitely have, if you haven't already, have, have Michael Caulfield on here. On here. He's, um, uh, have, have you already? No, okay. Um, uh, he's been popularizing a, a methodology, which I really like sort of almost the acronym behind it, SIFT. And it's just telling you, you know, stop. We talked about like emotionally, you know, take stock, investigate the source, find better coverage and trace the claims, um, <clears throat> quotes and media to find the original context. And that, like that can be done very, very quickly. Um, it's a little slow to do on your phone. And that's one of the places where I think platforms can really help. It takes a little bit of effort to find like what exactly, like to, to, to take like on your computer, you can just very quickly like copy and paste a phrase, whatever the article is about, and then search to find other sources on it. On your phone, it's a bit more of a pain. Um, and especially to sort of navigate and find all these different pieces. And that could be made so much easier. And so that's another place where I feel like the platforms can also do a lot. On one hand, you can look at sort of his material and that of many other people that tell you how to do this very quickly with a decent amount of effort. But what I'm really excited for is ways of contextualizing, um, like are ways that platforms and your phone itself can help you contextualize the information that you see on a database um, to sort of lower that load for each individual um, because it, there, there really is too much information coming at us too quickly for us to sort through it effectively. I was also curious about just like public perception of um, not only the vaccine, but also of like coronavirus death tolls. Like I remember um, back when, like, I guess a year ago, it was such a big deal. Like there were so many, there was like so much outrage and so much um, emotion behind it because it was such a big deal. And like now I feel like the numbers have been going up for a while, but, um, just like thoughts on it are stagnant. And I, I'm curious as to like what that means for the human psyche, especially um, how we've almost been conditioned to not think about coronavirus deaths as anything significant per se, um, or how 
like it's been downplayed or we've just gotten used to it. Like, I just, I just want to know your thoughts on that. I'll take this one if that's okay, Aviv. Um, so that's a, it's a really good question. And there are so many different factors at play um, just in terms of kind of cognitive models and how people respond to distress and uncertainty. Um, and so you can approach this from kind of the slippery slope uh, um, model where we just thought it was gonna be a small thing and then it got stretched out, stretched out, stretched out, like the frog slowly boiling. But there's also factors at play that are kind of deeper to individuals, like um, not being able to look at uh, something that has a lot of fear and uncertainty around it, right? A lot of people have just like a mental block at being able to understand the, the types of suffering that are occurring around the world right now. It's just so uncomfortable that people can just kind of uh, glance right by that. And um, there are different ways to kind of build empathy around that. But I do think that the way that the media is approaching it right now with kind of vacillating between kind of catastrophic headlines and almost devaluing headlines gives people so many mixed messages that it's easier to just hang out in this protected zone of, I'm just gonna remember the world as it was and I'm not gonna adapt, I'm not gonna change how I feel right now because I don't have the emotional tools to go through that transition. And so what I personally would like to see is a lot more uh, media responsibility in not only teaching people about the statistics of kind of the COVID death tolls and what vaccinations really mean, but also how people can process that information on a social emotional level so that we can actually adapt. Um, and I think that that level of education should go hand in hand with the types of new, rapid, constantly changing news that we're exposed to every day. Yeah, you saying that just makes me wish that we are actually taught in schools, um, in health class or whatever is the equivalent in elementary school, uh, what it means to empathize in current uh, events and increasingly polarized climates and how we can um, act upon empathy on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I especially think that that would have been something that would have been greatly beneficial if schools had took up during the time of COVID. Um, I know that um, our schools in New York are trying to Im implement social emotional learning, um, which in my experience hasn't really gone very well. Um, I've seen it on an elementary school basis much more successfully than on a high school basis. Um, as like my brothers try to learn how to understand their feelings, which is cute to watch, but it's like I'm 15 and I don't understand my feelings. How are they expecting my eight-year-old brother to understand what he's feeling in the moment? Um, 
But if they actually, if we took the time to implement something like that into our curriculum, I think that we could actually um, grow a, a completely new generation of people who are just willing to sit down and have conversations with each other and recognize each other's feelings, um, which I don't think has ever happened in the history of humankind. So um, I really appreciate that um, empathy. Um, the just like, I really appreciate your um, commitment to empathy building in that way. Well, you know, you're all doing such a great job, even having this podcast and having so many different perspectives. I'm really impressed with what your generation is doing right now. It's so much better than when Aviva and I were in school, right? Things were a lot more um, separate and uh, higher conflict, at least from what I've observed. Of course, I'm not walking in your shoes. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there are still many, many challenges to navigate. But I feel like you guys are having these conversations and you know, are at the age where you can stop and think, oh, hey, maybe this person is not acting um, due to maliciousness or even ignorance, but maybe it's just because it's too hard for them to act differently right now. And maybe they're not gonna be that way forever, all right? I think that your generation has this really great uh, growth mindset um, that can continuously be built into schools, into the media, into social media, um, and that we all, can do a much better job than we're modeling right now. Um, then I hope that the situation continues to improve in your direction. And, and this is beyond the scope of my work, but also really into entertainment, um, where that's really where people model, like that's where you're gaining your sense of how to be a person is like through all the TV and the YouTube and this and that. Um, and so like being able to have models there, um, I think is, is incredibly valuable. and in our political life too. Um, you know, there's there's so many opportunities for modeling that behavior and it's not, you know, here we're talking to you as teens, but you know, your parents and your grandparents, like they're, they also need this. And one of the things I'm excited about with the way that platforms actually can have some potential impact is they're really used by everyone. And so there's an opportunity there to reach a very broad population and really connect across generations to some extent, you know, maybe your grandparents aren't on TikTok. Yeah, and the power of social media is, or media or tech companies, it's indescribable. So, you know, in our eyes, why wouldn't you use it for something good? Um, like uh, sort of constructive, like teaching uh, the things that we're talking about today on this podcast. And these are all really valuable uh, things to know, especially for people who are being born now. I mean, somebody my age or Madeline's age or Inika's age, we were born in 2003 or 2002 or 2004. Um, and, you know, media wasn't as prominent back then as it was now, even in 20, uh, 2010, when we were starting to actually, you know, um, <laughs> see in the chat, 2005, um, it wasn't, it obviously wasn't what it is now. Uh, it's, it's evolved uh, beyond words. So it, this is definitely something that the generation, new generation that's coming after us is going to have to know. You know, this is the cliche, but um the saying that the only constant is change. Um, when you say that, I'm just reminded of, you know, these paintings from centuries ago and how 
they have facial expressions that are different than the facial expressions we have now, even the ways that we emote change over the years. And so there's just, there's so much for the future that we couldn't even imagine right now. And I do think it's possible to go in this direction if we keep having conversations like this, but truly our faces change in response to how we feel over time. Is that not crazy? That's all for today, friends. I'm editor Sarita Adabala signing off for all of us at Next Generation Politics. Please check out our website at www.nextgenpolitics.org to find out more about our work. And please recommend us to your civic-minded friends or to your friends you'd like to become more civic-minded. Thanks for listening.